Rob here again. In this podcast, I'm going to share my version of the story of Noah and have some fun as I do it. Now, I take the truths of God's word very seriously. So as I go through this paraphrased, ad-libbed version of the life of Noah, please, please, please understand that I am not sharing this to simply have some fun, but also to share some spiritual insight for you. So with that said, let's uh, hear Brother Bob's view of the amazing story of Noah. Now again, I want to reiterate that I'm going to take some liberties with the story of Noah. I.e., that means I'm going to add some of my own words and thoughts and ideas, hoping to bring a smile to your face and laughter to your heart. So don't send me nasty emails calling me blasphemous for adding to God's word. I'm not adding to God's word. What I'm sharing you is not insight from the Lord or spiritual revelation or new prophetic stuff that God has given me or the Spirit has given me. This is just stuff that Bob made up to have a good time. First of all, let me say, thank God for faithful Noah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Now, I don't believe that Noah had a clear idea of what he was actually getting himself into when he volunteered his services to the Lord. And it's probably a good thing that the Lord didn't initially give Noah a lot of details about what his plans were for mankind. I sincerely believe that faithful Noah, like faithful Mary and Elizabeth, was simply going about living his earthly life like all faithful children of God do, which simply involved being obedient to the Lord's work and whatever it was they were doing. Now, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but please keep in mind that the Lord clearly implied to Noah that he, God, was going to do something big. Unfortunately, the scriptures do not give us every detail about what God wanted Noah to do or what God told Noah. So again, I'm going to take some liberties. So here's a condensed backstory about why we humans needed a faithful Noah to rescue us in the first place. Genesis 4.25. Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel, for Cain killed him. So Seth, to him, also was a son born, and his name was called Enosh. And these men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now I'm sharing that with you to let you know that before Noah was even on the scene, there was people who started to call on the name of the Lord for whatever reason. Again, keep in mind, Uh, Before those laws of Moses were handed out, God somehow God got his messages and his truths to people because people, even though they didn't get the law, they knew there were certain behaviors and certain things that the Lord expected them to do, and they tried to obey the Lord. Even though it wasn't written in a book yet, uh, there was some kind of a spiritual Holy Spirit connection between those believers before the law was on the scene and the Lord, because otherwise, how would they know what the right thing to do was? Now, I bring up the fact that men began to call upon the Lord. Actually, the word there is Yahweh. They began to, began to call upon the Lord before Noah was around. That means that there were believers around who weren't part of Noah's family. And it also means that there was believers around who missed the ship. Yeah, they didn't get on the boat. So uh, I don't have a lot of details about that. So I'm not going to share or speculate about that. But I, I'm pretty sure there was... Um, Believers that were outside that boat making fun of Noah as he was getting ready for this big flood that was going to come. Now, Bible scholars tell us that Moses was a writer of the book of Genesis. And if you know your scriptures, it won't be until a thousand years in the future during Moses' ministry time that the great I Am finally reveals his name for the first time to Moses, and that was Yahweh. So I believe that in Genesis 4.26, where it reads, The men began to call upon the Lord, 
Moses is simply inserting the name of God that he had learned in his lifetime, even though I think these men of Genesis had not yet learned the true name of the Lord. I hope you understand where I'm coming from with that thought. Now, it's Genesis 6, 1 through 2. It says, Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. When I read this, it seems like things are going as God planned. Remember what it says in Genesis chapter 2? The Lord fashioned the woman from the rib which he had taken from the man. He brought her to the man. And the man said, Now this bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So it sounds like in Genesis chapter 6, the first couple of verses, that's what's going on. Everything seems like it's going good. But then we see in a couple more verses, something starts to go wrong. Things are going wrong. Now, we don't have the time frame from Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 to Genesis 6, 5. 100 years, 1,000 years. I'm not sure what the time frame is. But what happens, if you get to Genesis 6, 5 through 7, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man and women was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thought of man's heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made humans on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out mankind whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now, we do not know what the time period again is between Genesis chapter 6, verse 2 and Genesis 6, 5. But obviously, the sinful behaviors of humans have gotten pretty bad. And in the middle of the Lord telling us how sinful people had become, he chooses to throw in a parenthetical about Noah. Genesis 6, 8 through 10. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then as quickly as the Lord shares about what the sons of Noah were going to be called, he goes right back to explaining why he's going to destroy all life on planet Earth that breathes oxygen. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. Now, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out from among the earth. Wow. Is it just me, or do you also sense the Lord's anger in those words? So in Genesis 6, 14 through 17, we read where Noah gets a Reader's Digest condensed version of what God's plan is is for this ship he's going to build. Then the Lord gives Noah a little info on what his plans are for humans. Again, Genesis 6:17. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. And after that, the Lord reassures Noah with these words. But I will confirm my covenant with you, Noah. So enter the boat, you and your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives, it seems to me that Noah is agreeing to take on this tremendous task in order to save himself, his family, and some animals. Now, nowhere in the book of Genesis did the Lord command Moses to preach to the people. As you're building this boat, Noah, I want you to go out and make sure you continually 
preach the message of salvation. Never once does the Bible tell us that in the book of Genesis. And yet here is a Bible verse that shows ex that's exactly what Noah was doing while he was building this ark. It's just a simple little verse, 2 Peter 2, 2, 5, Noah, a preacher of righteousness. So it sounds to me what the good old Noah was doing as he was building his ship and trying to grow a crop fields is he was trying to warn the people what was coming. I'll touch on this more a little bit later on. But the message that Noah would have shared wouldn't have been get on the boat and have your sins washed away. It would have been just get your butt on the boat and save your life. It would have been a type of walking through the Red, De Red Sea so that you don't drown in the flood. So the idea here was the salvation would have been physical salvation, saved from death. Now I share this little Bible verse about Noah the preacher because I've had a correct believers who taught that the Bible never shows Noah preached to the people around him as he was building the ark. He obviously was. Again, from 2 Peter 2.5, it says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And here's another side note. For me personally, I see Noah as a type of Christ. Noah's building a ship that can save people if they simply believe his message and get on board. And like Christ, even though Noah must have been mocked and ridiculed for attempting to save people from a rain. They had no idea what it was. Noah continued to share his salvation message for a long, 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 long time. Side note, if you're a born-again believer who truly appreciates what Christ did to save your sorry butt from hell, there should be a softness and compassion for lost people in your soul, knowing that without at least getting the opportunity to hear the message of Christ, all those lost people around you are going to spend their eternity in hell. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we got to understand that those lost people behave the way they behave because they still don't know Christ as their Savior. Now I know I'm getting sidetracked, but caring believers will be faithful in sharing their faith. Now I share that with you. I'm not a hypocrite. For 40-some years I've been on the streets, out and about, marketplace, wherever. Uh, I like to go to the colleges and share Bible tracts and witness to lost people wherever I'm at. I've had the opportunity, and I've made the opportunity, to share with hundreds of thousands of people in 40-some years. When I first got born again, I understood the consequences of not trusting Christ was a serious, serious eternity in a place called hell. I just knew I had to share that message with everybody, and I started right out of the gates, Witnessing to my family and friends, getting people saved. Again, I don't save anybody. It's a message that saves, but the Lord blessed me with the opportunity to be around people who accepted Christ. And over the years, I've handed out thousands upon thousands of Bible tracts when I don't get the opportunity to share the faith. So I have a compassion for lost souls. And any believer who doesn't, uh, not going to be good for you at the judgment seat, but that's a different message for a different time. I just want to encourage you with one more thought about this, the importance of getting out and sharing your faith. Uh, do me a favor. If you get a chance, go on the Internet, go on Google, and look up Frank Jenner. Do the story of Frank Jenner. Amazing testimony of a man who shared his faith for many, 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 many years, never knowing the tremendous input he was having in people's lives and how he changed lives. It's an amazing story. If you're carrying... Christian who loves to share your faith, it's going to move you to tears. So I encourage you. Frank Jenner, great story. Now back to Noah. 
Now, if you know your Bible, you know that God has his own ways of doing things. Those of you who have tried to put the Lord's behaviors in a box know what I mean. In fact, if you want to give the Lord a good laugh, just try planning stuff without his will in mind. God never allowed the people in Sodom and Gomorrah to be preached to and repent. The good Lord simply decided to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And bam, they died. Now, if you know the story, Abraham pleaded with the Lord to please rescue the faithful people out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Lord, if you can find at least 15, 20 people in there. I mean, he started out with 50, 75. If you can find at least 15 or 20, uh, can you spare the city? And the Lord says, you know what? If you can find me 10 people, I'll spare it. But he didn't. So the Lord just decided to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. There was no grace and mercy. Now, he did take the faithful people out of there. Lot and his family uh, were rescued from, from Sodom and Gomorrah, but everybody else died. And then again, in a different situation with the Lord, he sent Jonah to Nineveh to preach to the people of Nineveh so that they could have time to repent and be saved from destruction and repent they did. So as the Bible says, the Lord decides. He says, I can choose to have mercy and compassion on whoever I want to. So uh, God is not in a box. You can't just like say he does things exactly like this every time. So let me get started with my ad-libbed, paraphrased Noah story. I'm going to be speaking for the Lord here. Again, just sit back, relax, and have some fun. So this is God speaking. Hey, Noah, this is the Lord. I have a job for you. Noah, because of the unrepented wickedness of mankind, I'm about to destroy all humans on the planet. So let me interject. Now, the Bible tells us that the Lord was actually going to destroy, wipe out any animal life that needed oxygen to breathe. Creeping things, crawling things. There's a lot of stuff that would have died with the destruction that was going to come on planet Earth. Now, again, I want you to notice that unlike Moses, Noah did not plead with the Lord to give humans one more chance. Now, I have no idea why the Lord was going to make animals go away and bugs go away because of the sin of people. So I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to leave that scenario alone. So this is God speaking again. Noah. I was about to destroy all the people, and then I look down, and I see that you're a pretty decent, humble, God-fearing man. Again, Genesis 6, 8 says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I'm going to interject again. The basic meaning of the Hebrew word chen is favor. The word means whatever is pleasant and agreeable. Please understand that this verse I just read is not saying that the Lord simply chose Noah to save the human race and the planet's animals because it pleased the Lord to do so. Whatever Noah was doing, it was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. So because the Lord saw that Noah was a faithful man of God, he, God, was pleased with Noah. And because the Lord was pleased with Noah, God changed his mind about destroying all humans and instead intended to use Noah to save some animals and some people. So again, this is important. People need to understand this. Because Noah lived his earthly life in a way that pleased the Lord, the Lord decided to save Noah and his family and some animals from destruction. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 6. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth and he was grieved in his heart. Can you imagine that? That people got so wicked and so evil that the Lord was grieved and saddened that he even created us. This would be a great spot to interject God's love means nothing to the people who aren't being faithful. I mean, I could get sidetracked on this whole story, but God's love is not going to spare all these people who are going to die in this flood. 
I'm sure God loved them, just like he loves people going to hell. God's love for people doesn't override his holiness and justness. People got to get that in your head, okay? And I mean, it's so silly to think just because God loves somebody, nothing bad is going to happen to him. Well, we're going to find out that's not the case in this situation. Now, a little side note. It's important for believers in the church age to understand that Noah, just like you and I, was a sinner saved by grace. And even though the Lord was pleased with how Noah lived his spiritual life, Noah by no means lived a perfectly sinless life. The only reason Noah was seen as blameless is because he dealt with his sins when he sinned. Somehow he dealt with a redemption plan, a repentance plan. It was even worked out before God had handed out any laws to believers. So however it was accomplished through the Holy Spirit in Noah, but he knew what he needed to do to keep himself right and blameless with the great I Am. I want to share that with you so that you understand that being seen as being faithful by the Lord has as much to do with having a repentant, humble heart as it does with being obedient to God's commands. So let's get back to the ad-lib conversation that the Lord might have had with Noah. So here's the Lord speaking again to Noah. So Noah, if you're up to the task, I would like to use you for a daunting mission. I would like you to build a boat in your backyard. So Noah, tell me, do you think that you are up to the task that I have for you? Ah, you think you are? Good, good, good. Because if you had said no, well, I guess I don't need to go there with you, do I? Now, Noah, before you get started, do you have any questions for me? Wow, that's a lot of questions, Noah. Now, before I answer your questions, Noah, I want to remind you, in case you don't like my answers, that this boat idea of mine is the only way to save you and your family from destruction. Just, I'm just saying. Which will, in turn, save the human race and save a few animals besides. So I'm not putting too much pressure on you, am I, Noah? So now this is Brother Bob speaking to my radio audience. I, I just was wondering, what size boat do you think that Noah is initially figuring in his mind that he has to build? He doesn't really have an idea. I mean, what's he going to be doing? All the details aren't there, but um, I mean, he's gonna, he knows he's got to be able to build something pretty big. Uh, maybe a 50-foot sailboat, maybe a pontoon boat, 30 by 50 foot. I don't know. Again, up to this point, I really don't think Noah really has a handle on what he's about to get involved with. Noah's probably thinking he'll have to bring along his family, a few sheep, oxen, and goats. That's about it. So God says to Noah, and by the way, Noah, I'm not really interested in saving any other humans except you and your family. However, I'm not going to keep you from inviting others on this trip. So Noah, because you have a heart to serve me, if you get this job done in time, I'm going to hold off on the total annihilation of all life on planet Earth and instead settle on a total destruction of planet Earth, except for those people who choose to get in this large boat that you're going to build, and except for those animals that you're going to save. So again, no, I'm not putting too much pressure on you, am I? Oh, you have some questions about the size of the boat and the number of animals you'll have to bring along. So you would like to know how big the boat is going to be. Good first question, Noah. Well, in order to save your family and a lot of animals, you're going to have to build a very, 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 very large boat. Noah, the boat will have to be about 500 feet long, 50 feet high, and 80 feet wide. And it's also going to have to have three decks for storing animals and animal food. 
And oh, that's right. I forgot to mention just how many animals you'll be bringing on board. What if I was to tell you that there will be, give or take, around 4,000 pairs of differing species that will come from all over the world? Ah, can someone get some water? He's looking pretty pale right now. Hey, Noah, look me in the eye. You doing okay? Uh, I want you focused here, okay? Again, this boat I need you to build is going to have to be 500 foot long, 80 foot wide, and 50 foot high and hold enough food to feed 8,000 animals. Oh, there he goes. There goes Noah. Noah, Noah, come here. Look at me. Yeah, that's right, 8,000 animals. I think we need to get some more water for Noah. It must be the heat. Okay, so Noah, snap out of it. There you go. It's good to hear you laughing. Oh, you're laughing about the idea of your sweet little wife going out and trying to round up very large animals that might not want to go on this trip. I agree. That sounds pretty funny. Don't worry, Noah. I'm going to bring them to you. You say you can't wait to see that? I agree. It will be a very amazing and a unique event. Uh, yes, Noah, it would be nice if you had a way to video record all of this. I promise you that you'll have enough to keep you busy without having to worry about running a camera. I tell you what, Noah, I'll have Moses write this story down in a book so that all generations can read about what you and your family went through. So you're wondering if you're going to get squished on this boat with all these big animals. Don't worry, you're not going to get squished. Remember, I'm God. I can tell the animals to behave nicely. Yeah, I know, Noah. This is a very big boat. I don't expect you to do this all by yourself. Your sons are going to help. You say good luck with getting those teenagers motivated to help you, huh? I promise you, Noah, that won't be a problem. Oh, and I almost forgot. While you're building this massive boat, you're going to also have to start up and run a crop farm. What do you mean there's only so much time in a day? Oh, you're still thinking that this will be a two-year building project, huh, silly man? Noah, you're going to need to feed... Lots and lots and lots of feed for all them animals. So I promise you plenty of nice sunny weather for the next 100 years or so. There's not going to be any rain washouts for many, many, many years to come. So everything's good. Unfortunately, Noah, don't expect to get much help from your neighbors with either building the boat or with the crops and food you'll need on the boat. Yeah, I agree, Noah. The other people around aren't very kind and considerate. But again, to be fair, they're going to think that you've gone off the deep end with the idea that you need to build a large boat in the desert where it's never rained for rains that are coming. You know, you can kind of relate to them, can't you? Yeah, I get it. You've never seen rain fall from the sky neither. So uh, I'll explain that to you, but we're going to have a long, long time for me to explain that to you. And here's another thing, Noah. Since heavy and steady water is going to fall from the sky 40 days and 40 nights, you will need to build a waterproof roof covering the entire length of the boat because I'm going to cause lots and lots and lots of water to fall from the sky. Uh, you're laughing again, Noah. So you still think that I'm trying to pull a fast one on you by telling you the water is going to fall from the sky, huh? Hmm. Yeah, I know that you don't doubt that I can make that happen, but it just... I know it is strange. Yes, it is strange. So you're concerned about not getting the boat done before the rainy season starts, huh? Trust me, Noah. The water is not going to happen before the boat's done, which is going to be many, 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 many years from now. And here's another little heads-up thing for you, Noah. And again, I'm just sharing this for a word of encouragement. 
that whole water falling from the sky scenario is going to be a hard sell to those hard-hearted humans out there. So when you're out preaching to these fools, I would hold off on talking about the water falling from the sky for maybe 75 years or so. Now, I don't want to discourage you, but those useless creatures are not going to help you. They're going to be on the outside of the boat every day mocking you as you, as they ask you, where is the water from the sky you keep telling us about, Noah? Noah, just ignore them. I do. I can help a lot of people, but I don't do stupid. So be prepared to be mocked and ridiculed for a long, 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 long time. So don't get discouraged. And Noah, a few more minor details that I need to share with you. First of all, one of the things that I'm not going to tell you right now is how long it's going to take to build this massive boat. So you'll just have to keep at it because, after all, an unfinished boat will not float well when the monster storm comes, will it, Noah? Yes, Noah, you will have a long, 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 long time to finish building the boat. And yes, Noah, it is going to get pretty wild out there once this boat starts moving. You might want to pick up or make up some anti-seasick herbs and spices. Now, this is God whispering to the radio audience. Noah does not have a clue that it's not going to rain for 120 years. So let's zip a lip about that for now. I'll get a chance to tell him that later on. I just did not have the heart to tell the poor guy that he would be building this massive boat for 120 years. Put yourself in my shoes. I don't have a lot of people to help build this ship. i got to be kind of tactful and give him a little bit at a time. But I do know this much. I know Noah is a faithful man, and I'm confident that he will get the job done on time. And here's another thing, Noah. I'm not going to tell you when the rain starts. And if what I'm asking you to do is not already hard enough, there's one more thing. You and the family are going to be working on building this ark 24-7 for a long, 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 long time. In fact, right up until the water starts falling from the sky. So, Noah, don't get discouraged if you don't see any of this water falling from the sky for the next two or three years. And finally, one more thing, Noah. When you and your family finally do get on the boat, you're going to be on the boat for a very, very, very long time. You know, you're looking a little pale again. Maybe you should ask the little woman a, a little locust and rutabaga soup together for you. Now, I share all this in jest, obviously. Noah was, a, Noah was a very faithful man. He was a patient, faithful man. And we see that quite often with the, the believers when they're asked, the Lord asked them to do some pretty impossible things. Noah just stood up and did it. Abraham just went up and did what he was supposed to do. We see Moses trying to get these people out of this country and get them out of this desert, even though he didn't really want to. The Apostle Paul went through kangaroo court after kangaroo court, defending the Yeshua Christ that hung on nails and died for him. And again, ultimately, it was our Lord himself who came down to this planet and took on the daunting task of becoming a sacrifice for mankind's sins, knowing that just like Noah, people were going to laugh and mock him and ridicule him, and that he was faithful. Now, I don't think enough is said about Noah's wife. The Bible doesn't say much about her. And even though we don't know a lot about her, she must have been a godly, righteous woman, too. Most wives would have dumped their husbands, let's say, maybe 20 years after watching him build a ship to nowhere. Now, again, we don't get the whole backstory about what Noah went through is he spent 120 years building this ship. But being that he's a sinner like the rest of us, he probably started wondering where the rain was maybe after 20 or 30 years. Now, I know Noah lived a long time after the flood. He was 950 years old when he died. But still, 120 years patiently waiting for the Lord to deliver water from the sky, something that had never been seen before, is a sign of a very, very faithful man of God. 
Now, again, a man or woman needs to have a strong faith to go through what Noah and his family went through for all those years. And even though I do believe that Noah was a faithful man of God, he did get to see God's promises come to fruition. Other faithful people like Abraham and Joseph and Moses never lived to see the Lord's promise to get the Israelites into the promised land, and yet they stayed faithful to the Lord. And their testimonies of their God-honoring walks of faith are still shared over and over and over again by people in the church. Brethren, the good Lord very seldom picks a person to do a mighty work of the Lord, but we should be prepared and solid in our faith just in case he decides to use us for something big. In the meantime, I believe that the most important work that believers can do while still alive down here on planet Earth is to share the message of Christ with the lost. Brother Noah and his family went through a lot of work to save themselves from sure death. For us today in the church age, it doesn't take a lot of work to go out and save people from a sure eternal death. We don't have to spend 120 years building a boat to save people. And it won't cost you a dime to simply open your mouth and share the love story of Christ with those people the Lord brings your way. And if you need a little encouragement for doing that, simply take yourself back to your new birth in Christ. In your mind's eye, picture once again your Savior hanging on those spikes in order to redeem your sins, sins that you can never pay for yourself. Brethren, I don't really know if there were believers around in Noah's day who simply refused to get on that boat. I'm guessing they were. The scriptures imply that there were some before the flood who were calling on the name of the Lord. But I can guarantee you that there were unbelievers around as Noah built that ark also. And even though no other believers or unbelievers got on that ark that Noah built, I can also promise you that once those dead people got to wherever it was they went, and once Noah passed on into eternity, when the opportunity came, there were people thanking Noah for at least trying to save them. My dear friends in Christ, that's what we should all want to hear when we get to the other side. Christ is our ark. We need to share that message. We need to tell lost people that they're going to die. There's some bad things coming. They need to get on the ark and trust Christ as their Savior. When I get to the other side, I want to hear people telling me, thank you, Brother Bob. Thank you for trying to save my soul from hell by faithfully sharing the message of Christ with me. Because if I hear that, then I know that I was being faithful to the Lord's top priority assignment, which is to go out into the world and preach the gospel of Christ to a world that's drowning in sin. Your true friend in Christ, Brother Bob. Again, remember, brethren, you got to stay in the scriptures. Quit listening to all the wacky tackies out there that are sharing all kinds of religious gibberish, teaching you falsely. They're not following God's doctrines or doing what seems right in their own eyes. you got to know your scriptures. It's the only way you're going to separate a true spirit of the Lord from a false spirit from Satan.
too much to me.